You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. This is the play. Okay, the quarterback. Two receivers lined up to the left, one to the right. There's a flanker lined up to the left behind the quarterback. Oh, okay. He gives the ball. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get the ball. The receiver goes all the way over there to the left. Welcome back to another episode of Just Giants Chalk Talk. This week we have on, this isn't going to be a weekly thing, but for this episode we do have the entertainer, the Giants YouTube king. Um, this was awesome. Yeah, the entertainer is the man. Um, we talked about a lot of topics. We talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about, you know, a current state of the, of the program. If the entertainer was to become the GM, what he would do. Just a, a nice wide-ranging conversation about the Giants and some Nick talk, which I know you're all excited to hear too. Yeah. So be sure to follow him on YouTube. He's going to say that. Your link is going to be in the description below. And of course, be sure to subscribe to our show, Just Giants, on YouTube. And if you just like the audio stuff, that kind of sucks for you. But we accommodate iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. It's all there. So be sure to give us a follow. And without further ado, The Entertainer. So welcome to the second ever episode of Chalk Talk Entertainer. You are the second guest in Grump Studios 3.0, which is still not... There's nothing on my walls yet, but I'll get there. Um, you guys are are pissed? Who's pissed? Yeah, yeah, I'm pissed. But So before we get into this in-depth conversation, the Giants entertainer and I are going to hijack this show. We are renaming it for the next five minutes, Just Nicks, because I just came back from the garden from that fly, flaming pile of garbage I just saw, and I can't take it anymore. And Entertainer, I know you've been to a Nick game with me. We talk a lot about the Knicks. We we have to talk about this really quickly. Like, wh- what do we do with this team right now? Yeah, I, I, again, thank you for uh, you know inviting me to that Knicks game. I had a, bl- a blast with you, even though the team stinks this year and they've been super underwhelming. But um, listen, I, I think this has been the nail in the coffin. This this road trip, it's like, and I know we're back home now. And we lost to the Nets, but it's like. Every game you feel like they're going to find a way to screw it up, and it's just, it's just been redundant over and over and over again. Um, I know R.J. Barrett's not playing, but um, it, it, the team just feels like it's completely regressed off of what we built last year. So uh, <laughs> at this point, if I'm being honest with you, and it's I, I, I hate to use the word tank, um, but in the NBA, it, I think it's important to be able to get as high a draft pick as you possibly can, and this team's not going anywhere fast. Um, I'm kind of hoping for the best draft pick we could get uh, right now with this basketball team because I don't see much being built. Well, to me, it's not even the tank. It's this team has to make an organizational decision. We have all of these young guys. You know, we have Grimes. We have Quickly. We have Robinson. We have RJ. We have, you know, you name it, up and down this roster who, for whatever reason, Tibbs refuses to play in crunch time or for large periods of time. And if I see another fourth quarter of Alex Burks just chucking these layups he can't hit and seeing Grimes standing in the corner with his arms like this wide open and nobody passing or anything because these hacks aren't doing anything they have to make a decision over the all-star break are we going to commit to playing these young guys because they're the future they're all under you know salary control for the next couple of years that's the decision and if Tibbs doesn't like it if he thinks his best chance to win with these trusted old guys that suck you you give him the gate right now and say you're done you have to think long-term on this team. And they set themselves up last year. They've drafted well the last two years. But what good is it, you know, when when Deuce is now in Westchester today? That doesn't help anything. Yeah. 
No, it, it's a disaster. And and I was the biggest Tibbs fan going last year. He won Coach of the Year. He was great. But um, this year, Tibbs, to me, has been super questionable. Hasn't done a great job. And tonight was just another example. We I, I turned on the TV a little bit late into, the, like, the mid early to mid-second quarter. We had, like, a 25-point lead. And it's, like, the <laughs> second time in the last three or four games where the Knicks have blown a near 30-point lead. So... Uh, it just seems it just feels like this team has regressed this year, and it's unfortunate because th- this was the first year as a Knicks fan I went into the season in a long time with like pretty high expectations. Last year, of course, they you know they were super underwhelming. Uh, I mean, they uh, overachieved what we expected, but this year it's been super underwhelming. I there's not much good to speak of. Yeah, uh, it, it, with this Knicks team right now. It's not that this is a bad roster. I think this Tibbs. I don't think Tibbs is a bad coach. I think there's a bad job of job of evaluating talent. And he's made questionable decisions of who starts, who doesn't start, who comes off the bench, who sits, who doesn't play. I mean, he obviously was not in on the Cam Reddish trade. Cam plays like seven minutes a game, big deal. I mean, they invested a first-round pick in him. And yep. he's just not, not one of his guys. So, I mean, we're just – It just feels like all the young guys have regressed this year. I know Quickly played pretty well tonight, but he's regressed. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all the young players have gotten worse uh, uh, this year. Just It just feels that way. Barrett started to come around before he got hurt. Randall's played well on the road trip, but it hasn't resulted in winning. Yeah, but he um, sucks in the fourth quarter again. I mean, he was a nowhere man tonight. I don't think he even scored in the fourth quarter. This yep. is our MVP. These idiots are chanting MVP two nights ago. <laughs> they, did it when we were, they did it when we were at the game together. Yeah. I don't know what they're smoking at the garden, but stop it. Yeah. <laughs> or let alive. you join in, right? <laughs> yeah, I might start. <laughs> yeah. I watched, I was at the bar with uh, Snacks. And uh, when I left, there was still like a 25-point lead. So I didn't have oh to my see God, if Snacks is glasses thrown against the wall. Yeah, Snacks is supposed <laughs> to go to the game with me tonight. And if we would have gone there together, we'd both right now probably be at the tombs downtown. Handcuffed to a pole outside out. of the garden. All right, let's get this show under just, fucking they control. They just find ways to lose, man. It's incredible. Oh. This is – this is. I mean the Knicks – this year, or is this just the Giants 2021 with high expectations going into the year, overachieved the year before, and now they're just revealed as garbage? Maybe potentially it's the roster. Maybe potentially it's the coach. Something's wrong. Let's get this show back to the Just Giants podcast. God damn it. You <laughs> From the fans. jelly to the jam. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Let's go into this. The Super Bowl just happened, Tana. Tell me, what, what thoughts did you have on the overall playoffs? I mean, Cincinnati certainly... I don't even know if they really belonged in this Super Bowl, but they certain certainly hung around like they belonged. Um, I don't know. What, what are you? What were your thoughts on the whole playoffs? Yeah, well, first off, the playoffs this year were terrific. I mean, every game, Fantastic. Was, you, know, you, 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 you were, you know, you you were on the edge of your seat. You know, whether it be the the championship games, the divisional games, pretty much every game was super competitive this year. I'm with you in Cincinnati. I don't know how the hell Cincinnati made the Super Bowl when you look at all the deficiencies on that roster, but. They just kind of felt like a team of destiny. But in the end, uh, my takeaway from the Super Bowl was what Cincinnati's Achilles heel was and what we knew it was after we saw them give up nine sacks to the Titans is what is why they lost that football game. I mean, when you look at their offense in that game, they had one play, really, the throw to T. Higgins, which was basically a Hail Mary where Higgins had the offensive pass interference that the referee didn't call anything. They had no sustainability on offense throughout the entire game. They surrendered seven sacks um, in their offensive line failed them uh, it, it, it's it's a miracle to me that they were able to make the super bowl with as bad of an offensive line as they have it's it's the power of having a great quarterback because mm-hmm. i mean cincinnati at the end of last year was a lot like us you know had a lot of uh you know a quarterback that was injured and was out a bad offensive line they had what four wins last year we had you know five or whatever we did 
They have a really, really good quarterback. They also, they also had yeah. four wins with their star quarterback tearing his ACL. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everybody likes to do the, oh, who's the next team next year who could do that, who had the four wins? And, you know, we are not that team. But, <laughs> <You know us. laughs> but, but, you know, the NFL, if there's no other league like the NFL where just because you're there's horrible does not mean one. next year. There's always one team. There's always one team out of nowhere. And with the right, you know, moves that are made this year, some breaks with injuries and stuff, I'm not saying we're going to the Super Bowl, but you could see some dramatic increases over last year. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you hit the nail on the head with Burrow um, as far as him carrying that team. I was I was blown away this entire playoff of, of, of how good – even though I do think Burrow was being a little bit overhyped by some people in terms of his importance in those games, I thought the Cincinnati's Bengals defense was getting overlooked. Um, yes, I agree with you. In, in those contests, like when they beat the Tennessee Titans, they, got, they created three turnovers – um, they were huge in the Kansas City Chiefs game, keeping them in the game in the second half. But regardless, uh, Burrow definitely, had, even though he doesn't like his physical skill set, doesn't jump off the page like when you watch Josh Allen or when you watch Pat Mahomes. But he just has it, that it. Um, he has great pocket awareness, and he and he finds ways to make something out of nothing. Yeah, I agree with you. There was a brief moment during the playoffs where I started to second get like, oh, man, maybe we really should have went after Lou Rant and Arumo. I mean. I, I really think the defense is what, what the star was. I know Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow, and, and part of what makes Joe Burrow so good is, you know, just taking chances. I mean, that shot to T. Yeah. is not really open, and he was against Jalen Ramsey. Even the shot to Jamar Chase in the, I think, either the first quarter or second quarter, definitely first half, was like deep down the sideline. He wasn't really open either. I mean, that's awesome. But keeping the Chiefs as low as that, even the Rams scored only 23 points. I mean... I think the defense deserved a little bit more credit and maybe Burrow deserved a little less, but it is really definitely something to be said about what Burrow is able to do with essentially Higgins, Mixon, and Jamar Chase, and that's about it. Yeah, but there's one big thing, though. If Beckham doesn't go down, do they only score 23 points? That's a, that's another point, but also I still think the fact remains throughout the most of the playoffs that – well, all of the playoffs except potentially the Super Bowl, the Bengals' defense really shut down some high-powered offenses. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, the Bengals, Bengals defense was a lot better than I thought they were going into the playoffs. Yeah, so it's interesting for me that you think that the bugaboo is the offensive line and not uh, one Eli Apple. <laughs> yeah, Eli Apple definitely uh, definitely didn't help them too much at the end of that game with the pass interference, and then he got burnt for the touchdown. Um, Toast. Yeah. I'm not, remember, I'm uh, I do you remember Elvis Patterson? Apple, so. What is that? Do you remember Elvis Patterson, the old uh, quarterback for the Giants, early 90s? Patterson. His, his nickname was Toast because he was burnt so much, and that was, you know, that was Eli Apple. Was Patterson. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just. I think I put up a piece of uh, burnt toast when uh, uh, right to his Twitter feed. You know, even before the Super Bowl because he was being burnt so badly. So it's poetic justice. You know, yeah. say what you want about it. if you don't like an organization, you move on. But you know, to call out the giant fan for it. That's, no, that's not just Giants fans. It literally everyone. Chiefs players. I mean, yeah. called out the Saints too, didn't he? Call yeah. out the Saints fans too. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that like swagger and confidence is part of being a DB, but it usually comes with some level of skill or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
do something first. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, silly. The other, um, the other thing I'll say is, I as great as Cooper Cup was in that game, and uh, well, really the last drive because he was kind of quiet before the last drive, and then he took over. Uh, mm. the, the play call by McVeigh on the fourth and one, the handoff to Coop, uh, to, to uh, Cup was a huge play. Oh, yeah. Made a number of huge catches on that drive. As great as he was, I thought Aaron Donald should have got the MVP. As a matter of fact, I thought the entire Rams defensive line should have got the MVP because if we're being honest, that was the that was the sole reason why they won that football game. So it we debated this, and I said that I, I said that you could make a case for it, but I'm a little less impressed with Aaron Donald beating up on the lowly Cincinnati that's, Bengals that's offensive a fair line. Point as well, good point. But you still got to do it. I mean, even yeah, though it's true. That, that's your opponent and that's who you're going up against, you still have to do it. And there has been a case. I think it was the Cowboys in the 70s that had like two or three defensive guys were all co-MVPs because they did such a good job. I think it was oh, wow. against Denver, like Super Bowl 10 or 11 or so. So there was some precedence to saying, you I know, know you that. three guys were MVP. So they could have done that. Trivia question for you guys. I'm pretty sure. I'm, no, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm Who's sure we will. Last- Defensive player to win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, the guy from the oh, Bucks, was, right? No, no, no. It was, it's it's Jackson? Uh, Malcolm Smith from Seattle. Ah, uh, yes, yes. It, I I was thinking Ray Lewis, but you're right. It was Malcolm Smith. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I was going back. Which was like, Bucks. which was the most random MVP because that game was out of hand from literally the first snap. Yep. It was just soared over Peyton Manning's head and I think resulted in a safety, right? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, they could have picked any Seahawk to be MVP of that game. I mean, do um, you have to? Here's another thing, though. Do you have to pick an MVP? I know there's contractual things, and I'm going to Disney World, but are there games where nobody's more valuable than anybody else? Like just a team played well, it was a close game, a you know, a kick decided or not, or one play. I mean, why do we have to have an MVP? Because we were at, we were at a party watching a game, and we were like, I don't know who the MVP is. No one's really stood well, out. Matt Stafford didn't really play well, right? I was going to say, I, even though the stats didn't indicate it, I actually thought Stafford played well, uh, okay. taking everything in the, into consideration. The fact that he had no run support, I know he threw two picks, but the first one was basically a punt on like third and 15. He threw it into the end zone or whatever, and he made a number of huge third down conversions throughout That's that true. game, like six, seven, mm-hmm. third and sevens, third and eights throughout that game. I wouldn't have, I actually, I think you can make an argument Stafford deserved it more than Cup, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you could make an argument that he played well enough to win, but it was not an MVP performance. He wasn't super. Yeah. But I, I thought, given the circumstance that they couldn't run the ball at all that entire game, he made a he mm-hmm. made a number of big plays. Especially after Beckham went down, uh, Stafford mm. made made a made a couple of huge third down conversions throughout the second half. Did you find it curious how often they kept trying to run the ball in the th- second half? I thought McVeigh was super conservative until the last drive. Yeah. Like I, I was watching the game with my friends and my brother and I was like, I feel like I'm watching Joe Judge. Like the entire <laughs> game until the last drive when he had no choice but to open things up and you know because it's four down territory at that point. Mm-hmm. He was super conservative. I thought he coached really scared and he almost cost the Rams that game. Do you think he's really going to retire? Who? Um, who's going to retire? McVay. McVay? Well, he, he, he said something that was, like, non-committal. He's like, he said something like, I don't even know if I'm going to be back here next year. You know, and it was kind of like... Yeah. Like I said, I've been I've been away from social media for about three or four days, so I, I didn't even... No. He's, like, 36 years old. Well, well because- here's here's my thought. Why, if, if the Rams are, are screwed for next year, right? They went all in, cap everything 
right? Is it possible he just takes the year off because he knows that they're going to be terrible and just moves into some other situation that's not horrendous next he pulls, year? He pulls a Sean Payton with the Saints. I mean, he, he doesn't have to move in. And goes to the booth. Yeah. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. He's, I, he's too you young for that. I, I, I know the Rams are in a really tough cap situation, but I still think they'll be good next year. I look at the NFC. The NFC sucks. I mean, I still think... <laughs> Yeah. I still the NFC West is still pretty tough. Well, the West is good. Outside of the West, you can make an argument that our division is the second best in the conference. Oh. The, the NFC South is horrible now. The 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 uh, yeah. the North isn't much better, especially if they lose Rodgers. So well, let's talk about the West for a second because you may have different quarterbacks in San Francisco. Now, all of a sudden, in Arizona, you're hearing you know the Murray stuff that you know there seems to be a little bit the first bits of a. You know. I think it's about money. I think he wants oh. to come out a big contract. He's trying to use the leverage. I think that's even with the comments that McVeigh made. I'm, it all comes down to money. Yeah. Yeah. Getting I, think contract. I think it's all about money. But, yeah, I'm going to tell you what. I think the 49ers next year are probably the favorites. Um, and it's going to come down to Trey Lance out of the NFC. But I've, I like Lance a lot. You factor him with uh, their, their, their coach there with Shanahan. I think the 49ers are going to be really good. We saw we saw what they were able to overcome with a limited quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo. You add a guy like Trey Lance to that team, I think what the if, Niners are the favorites in the NFC. What if you add a guy like Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom Brady anywhere he's going to help. I mean, <laughs> would it really surprise you if he went to San Francisco next year? If they no, worked out something? Fan. Uh, it would not surprise me, but I don't think it's going to Nothing would surprise me. He pulls a Jordan, he retires, he comes back. It wouldn't surprise me. And they trade both quarterbacks to Tampa, and then he goes to uh, – because they still have his rights, Tampa Bay. I can't see them trading Trey Lance because they traded three first-round picks to go up and get that guy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they would I – th- I think they believe in Trey Lance. I think he's going to be their guy. I, I don't but, know how much I like Trey Lance, but I do think that, especially immediately, he'll be an upgrade over Garoppolo now that he's had a, like a year to kind of like – Sit back, get a training camp, get a season under his belt, and all that you know stuff. I mm. think it's got, and not 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 that he's as good as him. Um, when I watched Trey, I like I actually liked Trey Lance a lot. Mm. Um, when it was coming out, he not quite the same level, but he reminded me of Josh Allen in terms of he's a little bit smaller, but he's got the big arm, he's got the running ability, he's got the upside, and you pair that with great coaching, a guy yeah. like Shanahan, I think he could be really good with the forty. I think it's as much to do with the situation as as you know the quarterback but when you pair him with Shanahan uh with the upside I think he'd be really good there um final Super Bowl thoughts here um I really enjoyed the the halftime show and, and Tana I don't know yes. your, your your musical area I I know I know cranky fans thoughts here so I'm gonna hit you with a question and this is really just to screw with my boss would Guns N' Roses Make a good halftime show, or are they fat, shitty, and washed up? Go. <laughs> I think both are true. Um, I, I honestly have not seen Guns N' Roses, what they look like today. Oh, it's um, not pretty, buddy. <laughs> didn't, didn't they form like a ha- Velvet Revolver? Wasn't that that was, that was three Slash, of them. That was Slash yeah, yeah. and Duff and um, was it Izzy Stradlin, the third guy? Yeah, maybe. I saw them in concert. They were like years ago at Jones Beach. They were actually really good. Uh, Velvet Revolver. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard. I, I don't know what Guns N' Roses still sounds like. I'll say this. I saw. I've seen a couple of old bands. I saw Paul McCartney five, four or five years ago. He was still really good, um, even at his old age. So 
I, I like Guns N' Roses. I think I think they could make a good halftime show. But as far as this past halftime show, I'm not even a huge rap fan at all. But it was just it made me feel old, I guess. Because that oh, was yeah, me too. I listened to when I was in high school. <laughs> well, it was my post college, so it made me feel even older. So. <laughs> But I, I mean, I, I liked it because it was a concise idea. These were L.A. guys. It's L.A. people, sorry. Um, and, you know, they're all kind of in the same – like there is no forced merging of worlds where you have yeah. Bruno Mars and then an unplugged Red Hot Chili Peppers Chris and Martin Flea is flinging yeah. around. It, like it, it just felt like a concise show. It wasn't trying to appease the entire universe. I liked it for that reason. I mean, it's not. I mean, I liked it anyway. But if you liked it for no other reason, I think you have to agree that it was one of the more concise shows that they've had. It was well, they all, one they all fucking idea. Sounded relevant still. I mean, nobody yeah, was up too. there who looked old, like lo- lost their hair or just looked well. Like- 50, 50, 50 looked like he could have sat home for this one. Yeah, fifty was. <laughs> He was about a dollar, and he was pretty. You know, <laughs> he looked like some old man up there. It wasn't like That's all true. of a sudden getting Woody Guthrie to come out there and play songs. It was still seemed rather relevant. So, Cranky, I need your thoughts on GNR. I need you to tell me how shitty they would be. I need this. <laughs> I think they'd be fine. I mean, <sighs> it's somebody, again, you know, they've been around now for 35 years. 20 year olds love the songs. I mean, go to any game. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, cricket, whatever, you're probably going to hear a Guns N' Roses song. In fact, that was one of our running jokes when we used to go to No, games. no, no. Okay, okay, okay. I Listen, I like Guns N' Roses musically. I'm mm-hmm. saying would they put on a good halftime show or are they fat, shitty, and washed up? That is my very – Okay, you think they would put on? Okay, it, I could. I could. The they have all the group. money in the world. They can make explosions come out of explosions. I get that, but I mean, I've seen Axl Rose lately, and he looks like ten dollars. If you think fifty cent was like one dollar, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look up a more recent photo of these guys. Oh, get bro. a wide lens for your picture because he's yeah. a little. Uh, you know, when you watch really? like when you watch something now, it's not on HD. It's on standard definition, and it looks like it's kind of like this, <laughs> like resized wide. and stretched by my mom. That's Axel Rose. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking now. Yeah, pro- probably not a great idea for the halftime show. <laughs> but the songs. But the, everybody. The songs. Yeah, the songs. I, look. Every myself included. I like Guns N' Roses songs. They're not going to run through Chinese democracy front to back. But I mean, they better not. Out, <laughs> if you bang out "Welcome to the Jungle," "Sweet Child of Mine," "Paradise City," and maybe you finish it with that long, bloated uh, "November Rain," twelve minutes. It'll be fine. Well, I mean, they would have a, a second act, so I'll they wouldn't you, even need I'll to play tell you all that. One show that I loved, and, and, I, and I know we're all Giants fans, so maybe I'm biased. I thought the Tom Petty halftime show was really good. Sure. Uh, That's what, in the top five for me. I was at that one. Yeah. It yeah. was good. I thought it was really good. You like, I, well, did you guys like the Michael Jackson one? Well, that was yeah. that was years ago. That, that, was, that was, was in the 90s. That was a real big one. That yeah, was, was the like first time he really old. had something. I remember it, though. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I, I I just recently it was like suggested to me on YouTube, and I was testing my audio right before we did this. So I literally just recently saw the first ten seconds of it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this was amazing." That was uh, the um, the Bills Cowboys, I think. It was the last one in L.A. before yes. this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was good. I remember. I remember watching it as a kid. Well, as segueing away from this, everybody, really quick, what was your favorite one ever? Hmm. I had Tom Petty because the Giants Giants won. <laughs> And I like Tom Petty, but that—that's I guess that I probably biased because of it. But I'll go with that one. Favorite Trump? for me is probably Tom Petty as well, but I think objectively the best was Prince. Uh, not even a debate. Prince was very good. 
Yeah. They should release the Prince one on video and as a CD. It was yeah. that good. It was yeah, it was fantastic. Very good. Hands cool. down. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I'm done screwing with you, Nick, who is my boss, who is undoubtedly going to see this because he's. I, I had him raging with my opinion on that one before. But <laughs> Nick, we'll smash on. that subscribe button, Nick. That's all we yeah. want from you. Oh, he ain't, he ain't subscribing to nothing. Um, <laughs> He's not alone. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on. Give me your thoughts on the state of the team. The Giants, I mean, I, I was supposed to be super hyper-focused on the Senior Bowl, but instead I've had to spend all of January going over coaching hires, front office guys. It's been like a whirlwind, and I know that people are kind of falling in love with literally every move we do right now. I want your legitimate, honest thoughts, and I, I know you're going to give me them. So, yeah, um, I, I'm the same as you. Like, it's hard. I'm I'm kind of waiting until like the combine to get in the draft mode. I've taken off like the last four or five days because I'm like I don't want to force content because I I just feel like there's I, I like you said I've been doing all the coaches and the GM and uh, everything else. Um, as far as the coach goes, yeah, I think I've learned my lesson as as a fan and as a content creator last time around. As I'm not going to get super excited until I start to see some results. Um, but I thought it was the right decision uh, to, to bring in uh, Dable uh, along with Shane. I, well, Shane, Peters and Shane for me were neck and neck, but what do I know? I don't interview these guys, but I knew that Shane was probably the front runner due to his ties with Gettleman in the past. And the fact that he, you know, he's coming from a very successful organization. He was the first guy that we brought in. Um, so I, Shane so far sounds good, but I'll, I will judge him based off of his, body of work much like i did dave gettleman i'm gonna give him a fair opportunity a lot of people killed me for gettleman they said oh you're too easy on gettleman i'm gonna give him three years to build this team and if the team doesn't look good well then i'm gonna come down hard on him but um yeah i think it's just a wait and see approach i think that's the right approach dable makes sense he's got ties to shane and i think the giants needed to to hire an offensive head coach they needed to because the way i look at it is this not even just thinking about Daniel Jones, because I personally do not think Daniel Jones is going to be the long-term answer quarterback for the Giants. I think he's going to be the starter next year. I think I think they will inevitably eventually draft another quarterback at some point. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope Daniel Jones goes out there next year and he looks like Josh Allen, whatever. But whether it's Daniel Jones or whether it's a quarterback you draft in a year from now, I think it's imperative to have an offensive head coach because for people that were saying hire Flores, hire this defensive head coach, whatever – and bring in a really good offensive coordinator. My answer to you with, with that is you're going to have in, in, instability again because you, if if the offense looks good year one, that offensive coordinator is going to go off and get a head coaching job. What Brilliant. Gonna have exactly. To have, yep. You know, if, if, the, if the Giants' offense looks great, Mike Kopp is going to get a head coaching job. So I thought it was imperative that the Giants hired an offensive guy to be the head coach specifically. I don't always think that that needs to be the case, but for the Giants' specific situation, you're trying to either fix an, a, a, a young quarterback that's currently on the roster or mold a future young quarterback. I thought they needed to go with an offensive guy. So I'm happy that uh, that they ended up choosing Dable. Let's, yeah. let's stick with the offense for one second because I want your opinion on something kind of specific here. So when Ben McAdoo took over the team in 2016, prior to that, he was the offensive coordinator. Tom Coughlin contract runs out. They don't renew it. He essentially retires, I guess. Um McAdoo names Mike Sullivan, who I think was just the quarterback's coach as the offensive coordinator, but that was just kind of a title. Do you think same that thing that's... Same that, uh, did with Chulo, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think that's the same thing for Mike Kafka? Do you think he needs to be more involved? What, uh, what are your thoughts on that whole dynamic? Because I think it's kind of... I, I don't know. I'm a little weird on it, especially with a first-time head coach, you know? I actually don't think it's the same thing. 
Um, okay. I, I, I think I think they're going to work collaboratively. I don't think um, Dable, like Dable said countless times, he doesn't feel like a guy that has like a scheme. You know, like how Shannon has a scheme. He just True. feels like a guy, he mm-hmm. feels like a guy that wants to fit around his players. And the other thing I'll say is this: Mike Kopka was a very, very in-demand coach. A lot of people wanted to hire this guy. You go back and look. Um, I think the Seahawks uh, brought him in a couple of times. He didn't take that job. There was another job. I think it might have been the Eagles because, yeah, it, it was the Eagles in 2020. He was very much in demand because he was credited with Pat Mahomes, at least partially, uh, with the growth with Pat Mahomes. So my my line, my line of thinking is I don't think Kafka would have taken this job if he didn't feel like he was going to have a lot of input uh, on the offensive play calling. So I, I don't think it's like a Shula-type uh, situation. I, I do think Kafka is going to have a lot of say with the offense. Here's the one thing I'm a little concerned about is that you say, you know, he comes in, doesn't necessarily have a scheme. You know, he fits the offense around the players he has. That's great for year one because when you like you inherit this quarterback, you know, these weapons, this offensive line. But what about going forward? Like, how do you work with the GM to get guys to fit a schemeless offense? Like, oh, well, I I can see that. No, no, listen. So, so I would think. Now, obviously, I'm not Dable, so uh, I would think that you're building it around your key players, right? I mean, like, and then once you see what your key players are capable of and what you can scheme them with, then you get the supplemental guys to make that shit work, right? Like, so if it, if this becomes schemed around Barkley, which it probably won't, but we'll get to that later, but if that becomes the staple of this offense and they're going to re-sign him and whatever, then they're going to get some guys who can move people on the offensive line downfield. You know what I mean? Just really power drive them and, and get him out in space and, and do all these mm-hmm. crazy things. Whatever it takes to get Barkley more effective. I think that's what it is. You know, he's going to scheme the plays around the guys that are going to be key foundational pieces. And then year two, year three, year four, you bring in guys to to make that shit work. And then when contracts expire, guys get too old or whatever the case may be, you replace and readjust, I think. I think that's kind of what he means, right? Yeah, and that's what a little bit, if you look at this roster, the way it is, other than Andrew Thomas, there's no guarantee that any of these guys are going to be here in two years. I mean, none of the line, you know, Daniel Jones... Yeah, more maybe Galladay, maybe. But I, I think so. Tony, Tony will be here in two years. Tony McKinney, Thomas. That's about. An it. offense, I mean, it's really it's nothing. Yeah. yeah, So it, that's what I mean. It's like you know, we can be identifying players like in the short term, but that doesn't necessarily going to be here in two years. You know, again, someone like you know Galladay, for example, if they identify him, but he may be a cap hit in two years. Who who knows? So we're in a real tough spot the way this roster is right now to, you know, kind of identify, you know, what we have to build a foundation, what we're going to do going forward. So it's going to be a real challenge for, you know, Shane and everybody on this team, how they're going to build this roster. Let's move over to the defense. What what are your thoughts on Wink Martindale? Was he your guy going into this? Was he not? Do you have any concerns about the blitzing, et cetera? Yeah, um, he was... I mean, I wanted Fangio more than anything, but that, I, that was probably fantasy talk because it didn't seem like he was even on the list of candidates. I think it also came out that Fangio um, would only take certain job jobs. My friend who's a 49ers fan said that he thinks he's going to come back to the 49ers in a year. We'll see with that. But uh, Wink Martindale, obviously a very credible defensive coordinator. I knew the Giants were going to have interest. We brought him in for a head coaching interview two years ago. So yeah. my biggest concern with him is what you just said, the blitzing, and, and he doesn't – he seems to be like the type of guy that's going to blitz no matter what. 
Um, he's going to be super aggressive. The Ravens were first in blitz frequency in 2018, 19, and 20. And last year, they were sixth. And that was probably only due to the fact that they were missing their entire secondary. So they couldn't blitz quite as much. Um, so I know a lot of Giants fans are excited because uh, we're going to have a more aggressive defense. But I remember fans said the same thing about James Betcher when we brought him in. James oh. Betcher was really aggressive with the Arizona Cardinals. And he got here, and I know it was a different situation. It's apples and oranges because they were transferring from a 4-3 to a 3-4, so not all the players may have fit. Here you got a guy that's coming in with a you know with a personnel group that was meant to fit in a similar scheme to what he's going to run. So it's a more natural fit than, than it was with Betcher. Um, I, I'm excited, but at the same time, I don't think it's like a slam dunk. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I I would caution about this blitz happy because I just experienced for the last three years at Florida a Todd Grantham offense that was a defense that was blitz happy, blitz happy, blitz happy. And more often than not, it left exposed secondaries and just chaos all over the place and giving up thousands of yards and a million points. So it sounds great on paper, but it better be controlled chaos and controlled you know, blitzing because if you're just blitzing – all the time, and, and they scheme it for a properly. You know the right personnel. You don't have the right personnel in the back, on the backside. It could be really ugly, really quickly. And this fan base will, they'll turn on it really, really quickly. Well, I'll say this. I think I think a blitzing defense is dangerous, but it certainly is much more effective. Like any defense, but it, I think specifically a blitz a blitz heavy defense is much more effective when you have an offense that puts up relentless amounts of points, which is why it worked very well in Baltimore. I mean, every team knew going into the game that they were going to have to score lots of points. And then the game starts, and they're already down 14 nothing pretty quickly. I mean, it really makes teams one-dimensional, and that's essentially playing right into your strength at that point. So yeah. I, if, if Dable's offense pulls through, I would, I would say it's very likely that Wink Martindale's defense is pathetic next year if the if the offense isn't going to score points right away and it's going to be a tall order for this team to get an offense that can score points in one year um it's very possible this team could look like horseshit next year just as a necessary step one right i would not be surprised at all i hope i hope not i hope they're a great team I'm, I'm, i'm sick and tired of seeing horrible football but i would not be surprised at all and and like you said it could look real ugly when you bring in a guy like the other thing i'm going to say is the Giants, in my opinion, the, the second I heard they hired Wink Martindale, I said to myself, they better prioritize getting getting some cornerbacks. And, and, that's and, just what and, we said. <laughs> and making this secondary as strong as they possibly can because that's what the Ravens had. The Ravens probably had the best secondary in football for a number of years there with Wink Martindale as the D.C. So for his scheme to run properly, you have got to have man press cover corners, which leads me to believe, and, and you think about the Buffalo Bills where, where Shane is coming from, they prioritize the secondary as well, right? So I would not be surprised at all if the Giants go with a cornerback in the first round. So does that mean that cutting James Bradbury despite his contract is off the table? Or is replacing him priority number one now? That's the thing. I I don't know what they're going to do with Bradbury, but regardless, even if they don't cut Bradbury, I don't think Bradbury is going to be in the long-term plans. You're talking about a guy that's approaching 30. You're talking about a guy who had, you know, our current GM had nothing to do with bringing him over here. Um, So I don't see him getting another contract with the Giants. So even if they keep him for this year, I don't see him here much longer after that. So it shouldn't, even if they keep Bradbury, it shouldn't prevent them from drafting a cornerback if they really like one. One of my, we had this in the last couple of shows, I had a six-point plan for how I would rebuild this team. And one of my points was 
making an honest assessment of what a timeline should be. Like, what is an honest evaluation? Is this team going to be a playoff team in one year, two years, three years? Like, what's the expectation? You know, and then to be a championship team, is it, you know, do we expect based on what they're starting from, you know, what the roster is currently, what their draft picks are, what their salary cap situation is, is it reasonable to say 2022 or 2023, 2024? Yeah, I, 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 what do you think right now? Yeah, I, I've learned uh, one thing since being a content creator is this. I'm not going to put timelines on anything. I put timelines <laughs> on the last rebuild. And I said by 2021, this team's going to be good. You know, we're going to be in good shape. We got to give this rebuild some time. And 2021 came along. We got real aggressive like I thought we would in 2019 because I thought it would be a three-year process. And things just completely went to hell. So I am not going to put a timeline on anything. What I will say is next year I have no expectations in terms of win- winning a lot of football games. What I want next year is to see a team that gets better over the course of the season and a team that starts to establish some kind of identity and a much improved offense. That's what I want to see out of next year. And when I say much improved, that doesn't mean they have to be a great offense. It means they have to be at least mediocre. Like I can identify it. There's yeah, identifiable like average. Um, yeah, I- so, yeah, that's my expectation. In terms of the playoffs, the good news is in the NFL, if you do things properly – you can get things turned around real quick. But what I will say is without the quarterback and this year's playoffs are a clear example of that. Look at all the teams that advanced in the playoffs. They all had young emerging or great veteran quarterbacks um, outside of the 49ers who had a great surrounding roster. Good luck building a roster as good as that. So um, without a, it doesn't have to be elite quarterback, but without a very good quarterback, and whether that maybe it's Daniel Jones, who knows if we improve the offensive scheme and the roster around him. But if it's not him, we better find one fast. And until we find that guy, I don't expect us to be a consistent playoff team. So it's hard for me to give a time frame because right now we don't know if we have the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, before we shift on to the direction that this conversation is kind of heading, uh, was there any coaching hires that you – I mean like outside, like the assistant coaches – that you really liked, that you didn't like at all, anything that kind of set up because I mean there were some interesting names. I mean Bobby Johnson is the O line coach. That's a that's yeah. a really important hire. Um, I didn't really know anything about him until he was hired. Looked him up. I uh, happened to be in Mobile in a hotel room with Bobby Skinner at that moment. We're frantically like writing down notes and researching stuff, and I came away feeling pretty impressed with him. When I was worried that I hadn't even heard of this guy before. Um, and then, you know, I, I know a lot of people like the defensive line coach we got from Minnesota. I mean, do you have Patterson, any any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I did my research on Patterson, I was really impressed um, from some of the things his former players said about him. And you think about that Minnesota Vikings defensive line, they've had arguably sure. the best defensive line in football. I mean, <laughs> over the last five or six years. And it's not like he did it with guys that were meant to be studs. Like these were fourth, fifth round picks. Uh, that he turned into a really, really successful uh, uh, defensive lineman. And you read stories about players who wanted to come back to Minnesota just for him. So I thought that was a good hire for sure. Uh, the, the Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, what I like most about that, like you said, I don't know much about the guy. But what I like about it is I think what it what it's going to entail is there's going to be sustainability at that coaching position specifically because he's right. coming over from Buffalo. He's coming over with Dable. The New York Giants have had three different offensive line coaches over the last two years. Andrew Thomas has had so many different guys. Last year, we basically had like five offensive line coaches. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's tough to learn 
uh, in a situation like that. So the way I look at it is bring over Johnson is clearly a guy Dable likes working with. Otherwise, why would he have brought him over here? Mm-hmm. So I don't see them moving on from him. So that was what I was most excited about. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a guy that's going to be here for a couple of years. Were right. there any other hires that jumped out at you? Trying to think. Uh, Henderson kept his job, the DB's coach. There was a couple of linebackers coaches. I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't do a ton of research on them. No, I, I don't blame you. I, as, a, as a preface, I'm not, I'm not grilling I, you. I, mean, I, 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 don't, I don't take a lot of stock I, in these. I, I, I like yeah. Kafka. I, I like Kafka for sure. I don't know much about him, but I like the fact that he's coming over from Kansas City. I like the things that I read in terms of Pat Mahomes saying that, you know, he was a really good coach and had a lot to do with his upbringing. So... And a lot of people talk highly about Kafka, so I like that hire. Like you said, we don't know specifically how much of an impact he's going to have on the offense, being that Dable's an offensive guy. But, yeah, I would say I like the Kafka hire. I thought that was a good one. Um, Are you upset that not all of the coaches are bald? (laughs) Because I'm a little hurt. I mean, I thought we were were in solidarity with me. Uh, See, I'm team hair, so. So you're on. I wanted Rob Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> I was having this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago when we hired um, Dable. There's not that many bald head coaches in the NFL, but three of them reside in New York: Robert Salah, McDermott, and 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 now Dable. I think it's there's only like four or five, maybe six bald head coaches in the NFL, but three of them are in New York. Isn't Lovey Smith? Lovey, well, he's a new coach, but yeah, I think he's bald. Yes. <laughs> um. Which is I, I can't believe he's a coach. I believe he's bald before I believe he's a coach. Um, uh, I, I I do think I made a joke on Twitter, and I think people thought I was kind of kidding. And I, really, not outside of my wheelhouse to do this. But if we Those start jokes. winning with Dable, uh, I will absolutely razor my head and grow this beard out. In in the past, and this is this is some. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show, Cranky. In 2011, we were. We were looking good as a team, and then we dropped that game at our, our family Christmas party against Washington, which we always lose at our Christmas party. And then yeah. we went on a tear. I don't think we lost since then. And you and I, we grew handlebar mustaches, and that we didn't shave till we lost. Yeah, and, right. and I, I looked like Super Mario by, by the time the Super Bowl happened. So I, I am absolutely – I, I will go full beard and razored head. That does not bother me at all. Now, the question is, will both of you do it? Hey, if we <laughs> – Where's the Super Bowl next year in uh, Arizona? Yeah. If we're going to Arizona, I will be – I will go full grump at my head. <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhat insulted. It doesn't have to be next year. It just has to be with Dable. As long as he's the head coach and we're, we're winning, going to the playoffs, I'm doing it. All right, here's my goal in life. <laughs> that at some point the Giants make the Super Bowl, that I can shave my head as opposed to I just lose my hair because <laughs> – Grump and I are cousins, and we have a family history of uncles and parents and grandparents. That could be head coaches in the state of New York, and it's coming. <laughs> it's already hit him. It's going to catch me at some point, but I want father time to slow down. I want to be shaving myself for a Super Bowl as opposed to just showing up with a comb over or anything worse. So that's there my you wish. Go. Tana, you? You, you're going you're gonna to wear a hat anyway, aren't you? Yeah, I always wear. I always wear. I have hair though, but I. I, I there you I, go. I, I always, I always wear a hat. But um, listen, I'll do whatever it takes for the Giants to win. So. There we go. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, you know, All right. If that, if, that, if that means dyeing my hair blue, I'll do it for a couple of weeks. So I'll do whatever it takes. All right. All right. So Bro, I'm holding you to that. Picture. 
Get that picture up on uh, on Twitter of us with our. Oh, I, I have a I have a ton as it, as yeah. it grew actually. Pop pop those up on the uh, on Twitter. I have a, I, probably the most miserable picture of me of all time was right at the end of the NFC Championship game in 2011. I was truly stressed to my breaking point. My hair I like had like done this so many times during that game that it was sticking straight up like Jim Carrey. I looked ridiculous. <laughs> And we I had the mustache. <laughs> we were watching that game here, and my cousin came over with his new girlfriend, who he eventually married, and they have a couple of kids. And she met me that day, and I was so freaked out during that game. I was hiding under a blanket, and she's like, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with your cousin? He's like, that's him. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> so, Where I were you stress. that day, Tana? What, the NFC, the, the, the 2011 one? Yeah. Um. That, listen, I was actually at my friend's house, my friend Brian's house, and we, we had a house party. We for both playoff runs, I was there for every game. We had a whole house party. We we every week we buy a six foot sub and we watch the game together. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was on pins and needles that entire game. The, the one thing that I always remember about the 49ers game is Eli. To me, oh, that 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 is always going to be Eli Manning's signature game. That is what made him like my guy. That Agreed. Game, I was always a huge Eli guy, but that game made him my guy. The beating he took that entire game um, for, against that defense, that was one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And to just keep getting up time and time and time again, um, I, I will never that, – that is probably my favorite – I mean, I, I got to say the Super Bowl, but outside of the Super Bowl, that is probably my favorite game in New, since I've been a New York Giant fan. And- but – and it's because of Eli, but yeah, go ahead. And that game, I was at that game, and the thing that you probably don't remember was it was cold and rainy. Oh, it's I mean, sucked. it was like maybe 40 degrees. The wind was blowing in our face the entire time. It was raw. It was what you picture were you, were a summer. Were you at the older NFC Championship game? No, I was at the one in San Francisco. Uh, the yeah, one where I was under the blanket was the Green Bay. You're not that home. crazy. You're not that crazy. Not that rich. <laughs> Lambo is expensive. San Francisco, you can get in. But uh, yeah, I was at that one. And it was just, I just remember that crowd was super ramped up. They were ready. And they. Oh, you know what's interesting? Sorry about that. Just because you mentioned the crowd, I just remembered. There were undercover FBI agents at that game because the San Francisco fans the week before had like beat the shit out of somebody in the parking lot or something like that. That's right. That's right. There, yeah, so there were staged FBI agents in there, or maybe not FBI, maybe just police or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they weren't a problem at all, but they were just very fired up. And, the, you know, that the, the fumble in overtime and, and, and winning was just like, I can't believe we just won and we're going back to the Super Bowl again. It was, it was, whew. and then my wife is a huge 49er fan to, to, you know, stick it in her gut was, was really great. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. She paid for dinner. All right, so now we are we are giving you the keys to the car. You are general manager, entertainer. We want congrats. to know your moves. Tell me what we're doing here. How do we fix this team? What are your thoughts? We got some we serious cap problems. Year? We're just talking this year. No, you tell yeah. me what you want to do. If you if you Joe got a long term plan already, we had go to ahead. fire him. Yeah, Shane got fired. He had a. Uh, we found something crazy in his right. uh, May, and he had. He was wearing a hairpiece all along. He's actually bald, and, and he's ashamed. My, so he, my he plan is very boring. This That's is my okay. plan for the show. For as, as the New York Giants GM, sign no one. Let every free agent walk. Don't sign any 
high-priced free agent this offseason, all one-year deals. I'll talk about specifics in a second, but I'm getting those comp picks. I'm letting those guys go. I don't have much, I don't have much cap space as is. So I'm going to bring it's much like we did in 2019, where we signed Marcus Golden to a one-year deal. We signed Antoine Bethea to a one-year deal. I'm doing something like that. I'm filling in temporary holes um, this year in free agency on one-year contracts. I'm not spending anything. I'm hoping that Evan Ingram goes out there and gets a contract so I get compensated for it. Same can be said for Jabril Peppers. That's what I'm doing. I'm not, I am not spending this year um, in terms of, you know, I, I want my cap to be clean because I want to be able to bring in guys the following year when I start to draft some players in this year's draft and the following year's draft, anticipating that we're not going to be very good uh, this upcoming year to try to try to, I guess, you know, evolve the roster quicker uh, in 2023. But this year, uh, I am not going to be uh, ultra aggressive. I, I will say I'd probably bring in um, a guard, an interior offensive lineman in free agency on like a one or two year deal, because I don't think you're going to be able to fill in the entire offensive line in the draft. We have four linemen. We're probably going to need at least three. Um, so I probably sign a guard uh, or a center uh, in free agency for sure. But I'm not doing much, man. I, I'm letting I'm letting all the guys go. The other thing I will say is in season, if there's people that are listening to some guys on this roster, I'm getting them out of here. I'm getting I'm getting draft picks. I'm getting rid of Kenny Gallaudet if I can do it. I'm getting rid of Adore Jackson if I could do it. I'm getting rid of Saquon Barkley if I could do it. I am starting from scratch. I'm bringing my guys in, and I'm getting as much future draft capital as I can. What kind of cuts are you making to get under the salary cap right now? Yeah. Um, all right. The obvious ones. Let me pull up the salary cap real quick. But Kyle Rudolph's an obvious one. Mm -hmm. Um uh, what's his name is an obvious one. Uh, Riley Dixon is gone. That guy needs okay. to be the hell yeah. off his team. Uh, th those two alone would save you like eight or nine million dollars. Um, but then, you know, then you got some more challenging questions. Do you cut James Bradbury? Do you cut Blake Martinez? Um, Nick Gates is another one because he's had seven leg surgeries. I know everybody loves the guy. Um, we'll see if the Giants decide to do that. It would save him two point two million dollars. Caden Smith, two point five million dollars. I know he's a fan favorite, but is he worth two point five million dollars? I'm not sure. I know he's a good blocker. Uh, wait, 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 wait. The only thing about Caden Smith is he might be the only tight end on the roster. You're right. He might be the only tight end. So, uh, so I don't know if you can cut all the tight ends. <laughs> yeah, maybe we extend him. And, and, yeah, and, I could see that. Yeah. Base out the money. Um, Darius Slayton, I would look to trade. He carries a $2.6 million dead cap uh, cap it. So I'd look, to, I'd look to see if there was a market. If there's not, I'd keep him on the roster next year. Um, but in terms of the obvious names that everybody talks about, I mean, Shepard, unfortunately, I love him, fan favorite. He's not going to play next year. He has no attachment to, to, to anybody on this roster. It saves you $4.5 million to cut him. I think you do it. I, I, I think you have to cut Shepard. Um, Blake Martinez, I would cut, and, and I know people love him, but he's coming off an injury. He's going to cost you $14 million on next year's cap if you keep him, and it, and it saves you almost $9 million if you cut him. I mean, and Joe Shane's talked about that he wants to free up $40 million and he doesn't want to kick the can down the road. Right. Can you guys tell me in a way in which they can do that without cutting guys like Blake Martinez uh, and potentially James Bradbury. And and if we cut Bradbury, I do think we're going to be drafting a cornerback early. Um, I don't think they're going to extend these guys, though. If he's, it, That's what you do when you extend guys. You kick the can down the road. Joe Shane said he's not going to do that. So... If he's not doing that and he wants to free up $40 million, I think they're both gone. I, I think I think Martinez and Bradbury are gone. So you would pass my job interview because to me the Band-Aid has to be ripped off. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. The problem with this team for the last decade is thinking they can do two things at once. Yeah. They can think they can rebuild while still trying to make the playoffs with Eli. Which, by the it's, way, Shane said 
Shane said, I think you can do both. Or Dable. One of the two of them said it. They, they, want, they want to give the fan base some hope. I yeah, I, yeah I, I don't think he really believes that. That was going to be my next know. point I wanted to make was, how is this fan base going to react when this team starts off 0-3 again? Which, we, obviously, we don't know the schedule yet. We don't know who they're playing, how it's going to shake out. But if this team is 0-3, how fast is this honeymoon period going to end? And it's going to – because my fear is the fan is going to say, same old Giants. And, oh, that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, uh-huh. they're tight. You know, we, we – <laughs> It's New York, man. You know it as well as I do. You're a Knicks fan. Um, the Knicks fans are just like that too, but um, Giants fans even more so. Like like you saw the love affair with Joe Judge last year uh, after mm-hmm. 2021. Like People were willing to, you know, there were fans saying that he was going to be the next Bill Belichick. And then a year later, everybody wanted him out of town. So um, the honeymoon period ain't going to last long, I'll tell you that, maybe for a year. Um, after that, fans are going to want immediate results. And um, that's why we've seen as much turnover as we have, uh, specifically at the head coaching spot. So do you think Shane, guys like him, and even Mara should get in front of it and say, look, we are really rebuilding now. We are serious here, about rebuilding. Here, here, here's what I, I think they need to do, what, what, what they should do. Uh, and I don't know how they feel about all the players on this roster. I know they've come out and said that they love Daniel Jones. They're going to say that, right? Whether or not they love they him have or not. To. Because they don't want to hurt his trade value if they're potentially looking to trade him. Right. He's their guy, and I think he will be the quarterback next year. But the way I look at it is this: this is how you give, you build some patience with the fan base. This year, you don't draft a quarterback. This year, you start filled, building the trenches, the offensive line, defensive line, filling in the holes. The following year, when you draft your quarterback, the fan base has no choice but to be patient. You can't expect immediate results with a rookie quarterback. So that's the way I look at it. I think if the New York Giants do this right, the fan base is going to have to give them three years because you look at Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert won five, six games his rookie year. So we're not going to get Justin Herbert more than likely in the draft. So the way I look at it is I think they're going to have to be patient if you do it that way. If you draft your rookie quarterback the following year, the fan base will ooh and ah over that. They'll be excited over the rookie quarterback. And they'll hope that he has some promise, but they'll also go into the year realizing we're probably not going to win more than five, six, seven games year two. So I think if the Giants do it that way, you're always going to have fans that are impatient. Like week one, people are going to be saying to fire this guy. There's there's always going to be fans like that. This isn't working. What did we do? Yeah. 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 But I think the majority of the fan base, if they do it that way, which is what I think is the proper way to do it, I think they will give it three years. So, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think most – fans will have lines in the sand pretty quickly. I mean, there's there's a group of people that that want results. You know what I mean? There's yeah. people that un, that don't, I don't want to say they don't understand, or they just don't have the patience for a full teardown. And, and I can't a blame lo- them without being. Yeah, no, me either. We've been yeah. terrible since we started this friggin' podcast. Um, uh, so, I mean, I've, I've been wanting to do content for a good Giants team since we started making a podcast. Um, <laughs> but I... I think it depends on how the losses happen. I mean, if it's clear that this is a team that is just under-rostered and it's clear that they're just rebuilding but they're hanging around or something like that, and it's not, you know, with 2020 and 2021, there was a clear villain in Jason Garrett. And there was a thing that you can point to and be like, it won't fix everything, but if we fire this guy, we'll be better. I mean, like, this is a bad hire. This is a, this is a problem here. If, if there's no clear coaching problem and it's just a roster issue, 
I think most of the fan base will be patient. They'll understand. Um, I think he made. I think he yeah. made the right point. Uh, most. I said most. And because I said what else, what, fan what base, not Twitter. <laughs> what, what I'll say to you is this on that. And I, and I hope you're right. Um, and, and I by no means am, am I defending Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer's not a good head coach in the NFL. But did Pat Shermer have a good roster? Did Pat Shermer have a roster that could really go and win football games? I don't think that he did. was That was well, closer to a team that was good uh, in terms of chronologically. Really? Uh, in, chronologically, I mean, in 2016 they were a playoff team. 2018, oh, Pat Shermer takes over, so we the expectations were, are slightly different. We were, we had the taste of winning still in our mouth more recently. Okay, I, I think understand. also, I, I think also the fans kind of felt like, yeah, there's some problems here, but Ben McAdoo was a bad coach. You know what I mean? Like, I think there yep. was a lot of that sentiment, and then Pat Shermer came in and was like, all right, we got rid of the, the bad coach. You know, this Eli situation is another story. And, you know, that's certainly a problem that I think was identified around that time. But I think that factored in a little bit. Here's the difference now to back then is that these weren't very divisive hires. Like, no, but there was no huge anti-Joe Shane contingent out there where Dave Gettleman was polarizing from day one. A lot of people hated the guy from day one. They did not like, you know, all the news that came out of Carolina with the free agents they didn't like his Boston accent. They didn't like him. So a lot of people never got on board with him and wanted to be proven right that they thought it was a mistake. Where you don't, And also Jason Garrett, cowboy guy, never was given a chance by a lot of ginger. this fan base. Look, uh, ginger, yeah. <laughs> we just I, lost I, snacks. He tuned out. Jason Garrett was not good, but I do think he was used as a scapegoat yes. by, by, by a lot of the fan base. I agree. So, that, you know, that, that I agree with. I mean, this, you know, all of these hires, you know, the fans don't have any negative feelings of them coming in. They don't care that they're from Buffalo. None of that, really. So I, I think, think they're excited that they're coming from good organizations. I mean, every, yeah. every guy we brought in is coming from a winning program. True, but also people are like, I don't want to hear any more guys, Belichick guys. And it's like, well, that's the winningest organization of them all. So, you know, but again, <laughs> though, there's point. part of that New York-Boston thing where like, I don't want, I don't like them. And he wasn't going to give them a chance. And to follow up on a point you made a little earlier, you know, how will the fan base react? I think the win-loss win loss record next year might be horrible again. But if they see in week 16 or 17, they can say, I can, I, I can I define what this offense is trying to do. It may not be successful, but, you know, last year, you couldn't tell me what the giant offense was. And two get years. it. Last two years. Yeah. I mean, last year at the end of the season, of course, obviously, you know, we're down to our third string practice squad quarterback, which kind of all bets are off. But you, even when you know Daniel Jones was there, is what kind of offense was this trying to be? I think if you can see after even after year one, okay, this is what they're trying to do. You know, may not be successful, but if we can see a direction that both sides of the ball are going, this fan base will be a little more forgiving than it has been, even if well, they have five wins or, or so. I'll say this: the fan base will flip. If this team is bad and Malik Willis tears it up somewhere else, they'll lose it. And, and I, yeah, I understand. Well, that's, that's their problem. I don't want any part of – nothing to do with Malik. I don't want a quarterback in this year's draft. We're not ready okay. for one. This is not a. This is not an organization ready to make the playoffs, and it's not ready for a quarterback. Yeah. It takes wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. I don't – I wouldn't do this, but I don't think that it's not ready for a quarterback that might sit a year. And Malik Willis is a, a good example of someone who 
might be really incredible, but probably needs to sit a year. So if they draft him, yeah, the franchise isn't ready, but they don't even have to play him. Yeah, but I don't also, think that's out of the question. But you're taking away a draft pick, which is needed to start building an infrastructure for. That I, I understand that. I understand. Yeah, that. I, like I said, I would not do that. That's the, my point. The way, the way I look at the quarterback, and I and I get what you're saying too. Like if they're in, listen, no matter what the Giants do in this year's draft, I'm going to give it a chance. If they take Malik Willis, I'm going to say okay, but he better be a top five or six quarterback in the NFL. If you're taking him that early in this year's draft, when you have as many needs as the New York Giants currently have, and the fact that he's going to have to sit a year. The other thing I'll say is if he's be, if he's being picked fifth overall, he's not sitting. It's not a situation like Pat Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs where he got drafted 10th and they already had a winning team and he got to go there and sit behind Alex Smith. The New York Giants are going to be a horrible football team. He would have to start. Malik Willis would be starting if the New York Giants took him fifth overall, at least in my opinion. So I, I don't think he, he, will, he would sit a full year and learn, similar to like Trey Lance did with a winning team like the 49ers and Pat Mahomes did with the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I don't see that being the case. Um, Malik Willis has upside. So if the New York Giants are blown away by him, it better just be right. But the way I look at it is this. With all the, all the needs the New York Giants currently have, and you know how valuable it is to have a quarterback on his rookie salary. That's that's gold. That's it. That's gold when you have a quarterback on the rookie salary. Why would I want to waste the first year mm. or two of that rookie salary before I start to build this offensive line, before I start to and- build this team? So I could maximize the quarterback on his rookie contract. The other thing I'll say is this. If I'm Joe Shane, if I take a quarterback in this year's draft, my job's on the line year one. Because if Malik Willis fails, I'm out of job in three years. The way I look at it is if I'm Joe Shane is I get to do whatever I want this year. I start building the team. I'm not going to touch a quarterback. I'm going to set this roster up as good as I can to take that quarterback. But what I will say is if they feel there's a quarterback in this draft that they're he is a – generational guy and you're not gonna be able to find a guy like that in the next draft by all means take him you always absolutely you always do that at the quarterback and, position i just don't believe that's the case in this year's draft class and okay. also talking about wasting rookie salaries why would you waste a year of daniel jones's rookie contract still i mean he's a placeholder worst case this year he's still relatively cheap compared to what other starting quarterbacks in the nfl are getting I don't want to burn that year of a cheap quarterback as well. Might as well play him. You know, it's see what you got with the guy. And so, you know something? If if he's not good, chances are the record's going to be bad. You'll be able to draft that quarterback next year. Yeah. There's a guy like Willis in every draft every year. And if you you want him, you can get him, I think. This is not – the window to get a quarterback is not this year. That's, that's the way I look at it. it is mm-hmm. if I feel like there's another – if there – the way I feel like is name the quarterback of this year's draft. I feel like there's going to be another one of them next year. I don't yeah. think there's an Andrew Luck in this draft. I don't think that there's this can't miss prospect. So the way I look at it is we're not in a situation to force a quarterback. That's what we did last time. Why am I going to force a quarterback pick when I have as bad of a roster as the New York Giants have next year? I'll go out and get my quarterback. And this year, if I could trade down to better assure myself the possibility of trading up to get a quarterback in the following draft, by all means, go out and do it. But I'm not. I'm not a fan of taking Malik Willis or any quarterback in this trade. I, I absolutely love that you said that because I, that's what I was saying. Is that in an ideal world, I would trade both picks down. But either way, one of them has to move down, and you have to accumulate a second first round pick next year. That's my feeling, and the feeling is 100 percent related to the quarterback position because if you're not sure of your quarterback, always have two first round picks the next year 
just in case you there's a guy coming out and you can package shit up and move up. And if there's not, kick it down the road. Just trade or, again. And we're good. Or if you don't love a quarterback in the draft or you feel like he's not obtainable, like, you know, say whoever, the, the superstar quarterback in the 2023 draft class, the team picking first overall needs a quarterback. You're not going to be able to get that quarterback. That team's not trading out of that pick. But the other thing, if you accumulate draft capital, potentially if the team is better established built based off the draft in 2022, maybe then you can go out and trade for that shiny quarterback. Sure. Maybe that you can use that extra draft pick to say, I'm, I'm just throwing a name out. I know he's never coming here, but Deshaun Watson here, there's four first round picks. Mm-hmm. Now we have a team that's better situated to accommodate you to, to win football games. So whether it's to trade for a quarterback or to trade up for a quarterback, I, I think, like you said, I think it's important to be able to get that extra first round pick. And also, if you think that this quarterback is a generational quarterback, I can guarantee you somebody else does who really wants him now and may overspend to get him from you. Yeah. So, you know, you're in that position where you don't have to get one right now. I know the, the giant fan base thinks we need a quarterback right now. We don't. We Look actually... what happened last time we did it. Huh? It has not worked with Daniel Jones, and, and it's not all because of Daniel Jones. A lot of it has to do with the fact that the roster has been a complete shit show. But the roster's not much better right now. So and no, I think you'd argue we're that we're assuming... right back where we started. Yeah. yeah, we're also assuming that Daniel Jones is not the guy. I mean, you prepare for the eventuality that he's not with draft picks, but what he if he be. is? He could be. What if he's yeah. your guy? Then you have all these other draft picks accumulated to fortify other parts of the team that are needed. Keep working that offensive line. You know, get that address you really need. You know, the, the secondary, which we've talked about, was going to be a big need with this defense. You know, replacing high-value contracts we're probably going to have to cut this year to get under the cap. So I think you prepare for it, but don't assume you have to use it on a quarterback because – I'm still in the jury's out for me on Daniel Jones. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So one topic that we haven't talked about, and I, I'm going to end on this just because we're running on time here. So, uh, you know, you said this is going to be the last question real quick. Um, you said that you're going to, prior to prioritize the secondary. Eli Apple is a, a free agent next year. Are you signing him? No, I'm just kidding. No, we have not talked about Saquon Barkley in detail. So I, I'm wondering what your real thoughts are on Saquon Barkley. Listen, I love Saquon Barkley. Um, he's exactly what I want. You know, I, a lot of Giants fans have gotten on Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, and I think it has a lot to do with Dave Gettleman because I think, you know, I agree. because we took him second overall, fans hate Dave Gettleman. They just want him off the team. Um, so in a way, I feel bad for Barkley because he has nothing to do with, the, you know, it's not his fault the New York Giants drafted him second overall. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great locker room guy. I think he's a great leader. He's everything that I would want in terms of, you know, a a player in person on the New York Giants. However, there is no way the New York Giants could keep this guy on this team long term. Can't happen. Um, It just does not make sense. If the New York Giants were a team that was built to win right now and Barkley provided that he could stay healthy his first three or four years in the league, maybe then you, you look to give him an extension. I think he plays out this year. If he has a great year, maybe you trade him in season if you could get a really good draft pick for him. And at most, maybe you franchise take him for a year the way the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell. But the running back position is the most replaceable position in the NFL. And as Giants fans, we should know that better than anybody. Earth, wind, and fire was two seventh-round picks and a fourth-round pick. Mm -hmm. Why were they so effective? Because the New York Giants had the best offensive line in football. So build the line 
and you could you could get value. Look what the 49ers did. They took Mitchell in the sixth round. The guy looked like a great running back this year because they could block. So mm-hmm. as much as I love Barkley, as much as if, you know, I do think next year he's going to be good. Second year removed off the ACL tear. Now he's got an offensive scheme that I think he could thrive in. As much as I love Barkley and I would die to see him, uh, you know, finish his career as a New York Giant, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Daniel Jones having everything against him. Barkley's had it even worse. I mean, he had major surgery, and it takes a long, long time to get back to, you know, 100%. And he came back earlier than we thought he would last year, and he struggled. He, you could, But you could also tell that's not the Saquon Barkley that was drafted. It's going to take time for him to get back to that. I think it's that. mental healing as much as physical. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And But the fan base, again, you know, the snowball was already going downhill with everything else. And you're right. He is, you know, if people didn't like Dave Gettleman, the hire to begin with, that draft pick cemented the fact they'll never like Dave Gettleman. And he's the scapegoat for that. And, you know, it's unfortunate for him that he's, you know, he catches that shrapnel, that friendly fire, but, you know, such is the case. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. We've we've talked about it at length already on the show. I, I think Barkley, you can increase his trade value a little bit um, simply by building the offensive line, and I think you should listen to any and all offers for him. And uh, somebody might be stupid enough and be a running back away from really competing in the playoffs, they might take him. Um, that, that, to me, is ideal. And I think... Uh, I think it was research Rick that was telling me that they get like a third round comp pick just for him walking. So really, yeah. well, that, well, that, that would be based on the fact that he signed a, a, a high contract. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, we don't know if he, if he may not have much of a, of a market next year, if he gets hurt again, or, you know, well, that's he's not mm-hmm. you know, so if he's good, well, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why you invest in making, First of all, making the offense better is making the offensive line better. But also, as collateral damage, his run game should take off if you're building. I think he's going to be good next year, I, if, especially if we fa- focus on the offensive line and and with the new scheme and right. I think better play callers. <laughs> I I do think Barkley, another year removed from the injury, will be vintage Barkley next year. I really believe that. Um, I and what I will say is, in season for fans that don't think you could get much for Barkley. If you find a team desperate enough that feels like he could put the team over the top to win a Super Bowl, it can happen. Look at the New England Patriots. They traded a second-round pick for Muhammad Sanu because they were desperate for wide receivers. So, you know, a team like the Buffalo Bills, for example, you know, they don't have a great running back. So that's just an example. But they're a team that's going to be competing. uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, imagine what Andy Reid could do with Saquon Barkley. So I do think there could, if he shows he's back to the old Saquon Barkley, I do think there's a market for him. I do think it's possible maybe you get a second-round pick for him. So Seems you're like L.A. and Tampa Bay will deficit spend to go all yeah, in and win. Yes, sure. exactly. Get the Rams on the phone. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why you're, you're going to see a lot of things like stories coming out in June and July. Wow, Barkley is looking fantastic in these workouts. <laughs> you're going to yeah. see the picture of him all jacked up and ripped. You know, working out when just in shorts and stuff. It's they are really going to pump up everything they can to make Good. this guy market for the trade market. All right, Tana, plug all your stuff. Tell everyone where you can be found. <laughs> uh, well, first, though, I mean, thank you guys for having me on. I got, of I got to, no, I thank got you, to, really. Yeah, thank you for thanking me. I got to meet both you guys. You guys are, are, are two great guys. So, 
I always, always love talking Giants with you guys. I haven't talked Giants for the last four or five days, which is weird for me, but I need a little <laughs> break because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, so I appreciate you guys having me on Talking Giants. Um, yeah, if you guys uh, want to check me out, Entertain and Talking Sports uh, on YouTube. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter, even though I haven't been the last couple of days. So, um, yeah, definitely give me a follow. And, yeah, anybody that wants to talk New York Giants, I'm here. That is true. He will interact with every freaking comment on Twitter. You you will at least like every single one. You were you were very interactive on Twitter, and that's awesome. I try. When are we starting our uh, talking Nick show? Because I think we have a lot to say about that too. Oh, we got we, we we could talk for hours uh, on hours about about this mess of an organization. Uh, the only silver lining with the Knicks right now for me, I do think. R.J. Barrett has looked a lot better. Before before he went down with the injury, he looked like he was gaining a lot more confidence. It looked like he was adding a lot of – specifically his last five or six games, it looked like he was adding a lot to the arsenal in terms of the offensive game. So that is the one silver lining I've gotten out of this season so far is I do have a little bit more confidence than in Barrett over the last month or so that he is starting to grow as a player. But outside of that, there is not much to talk about in Knicks land. <laughs> you know, I get – as we finish our episode of just, uh, just, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think, I think that the decision is going to be made, like I said earlier about what is the future of this franchise? What are we doing? You know, I think they're going to make the decision that we're going to play youth. We're going to see what we have on this roster wins and losses be damned the rest of the year, you know, play the quicklies of the world and play the grimes, you know, bring back dudes from Westchester Sims plays more. And, I think you have you're at a crossroads, and I think if, if Tibbs is this, the guy who has to leave, he doesn't believe in it, he's gone, and you know we'll we'll move forward with, you know we've been drafting really well the last couple of years. Let's use these guys now and see what we can do. Yeah, Wake whatever. Up, <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks thanks so much for joining us, man. That's gonna do it for us. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Chalk Talk with the Entertainer, this episode of Just Giants. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and YouTube and Spotify or whatever if you enjoyed that. Anything else, Mike? (sighs) We're not talking about the Knicks anymore, I promise, until they piss me off again. Yeah, and then I'm going to have to sit through it. (laughs) All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.